Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about when to make an investment in your business and when to just say no. <laughs> <laughs> this is fascinating because, well, I wonder if it sounds fascinating. It's fascinating to me. I hope it doesn't sound boring, but I often work with people who are faced with this choice. They're like, well, you know, this person says they can help me with this thing, but geez, $5,000, $50,000, is it worth it? Should I do it? And mm -hmm. how do they make that decision? How do you, how do you think about that? Well, I think about it with, you know, what's it going to do for you? It's like, think about, think about the steps, right? It's, it's, you know, what is it? Is it a website? Is it hiring a virtual assistant? Is it hiring somebody to help you with a speech? You know, what's your goal? And where do you think that person's going to take you? And I, I think it's hard sometimes when you're making that decision, because we get in this kind of vortex about do I do it? Do I not? Do I do it? Do I not? Um, I don't know. What, what do you think, Jonathan? Um, it depends so much. I, when I decide for myself and when I'm helping other people, uh, I have a, I have got, I feel like I have a pretty good radar for someone who's just being cheap or when I'm mm -hmm. just being cheap. And uh, I see it a lot of times when people, cause I work with software developers, a lot of times they're, they're, they want to build all their own tools. And mm. I'm like, okay, I will let you do that. If the thing that you need literally doesn't exist. But if there's something that will get you 80% of the way there, I want you to launch with that. And, and we can worry about the 20% later if you still decide that you need it. Because you know, it, this, I don't think, is a question of the investment so much as it is the procrastination and the fear of success. So an example would be, you know, I have a student who he creates video training and he built his entire content management system first. And I was like... I'm like, and, and so he, and you know, I'll still, you know, this has been a year he built it. It's been a year. He could have used literally anything. I mean, they're just like, you can't, uh, you can't swing a mouse without hitting a content management system that's free. So I was like, all right. Um, that decision was made before we started working together. And, and now <laughs> he's planning on do, implementing some of the changes that we're talking about. And it's like, he's like, oh yeah, I want to do that, but I have to fix some stuff in the CMS first. And I'm like, dude, oh, no. you should really just switch to WordPress. And, you know, I, you know, anyway, so, so there's this level where, where people are just being cheap, you know, when they're thinking like, right. oh, I don't want to pay for Vimeo pro. That's like $300 a year. And I'm like, okay, what are you going to do instead? That's mm -hmm. not going to take you, 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 you know, the student, uh, they probably make or could make a hundred or two hundred dollars an hour. Is it going to take you more than two hours per year to do that on your own, or should you just spend the money and move on to the next step? And you know, these are people who drive BMWs, like worrying about spending five bucks. You know, there's a, a great quote like, uh, "What I'm going to butcher it, but it's basically like, don't spend ten dollars on a ten cent decision." So I, so there's that, but. The th I think what you're talking about is a lot scarier of a decision where the outcome is much more in question and the, and the mm -hmm. price tag is a lot higher. So, you know, do I spend $50,000 with a branding consultant to figure out what my big idea is and, you know, like that mm -hmm. kind of thing? 
Well, yeah, there's also what struck me as you were talking is analysis paralysis. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, at some point you have to say yes or no. Um, you know, I'm thinking of a conversation I had just yesterday with a woman who was just starting her consulting business, and she was a very successful corporate exec for a very well-known U.S. company. And um, I caught her about maybe two months into um, deciding, and so she, but she hadn't launched yet. And um, she, she actually had started programming her own WordPress website. <laughs> and she, she said, and I finally went, why Why am I doing this? And so anyway, we talked about it. And, and the point I made to her is you don't need a big investment in your website. You're just starting out. You're going to probably change your message. Keep it simple, but hire somebody to do it. You know, even if it's Squarespace, hire somebody to do this so you don't have to worry about it and you can wrap your arms around you have time to wrap your arms around the things that really matter, the things that, that are going to move the needle for your business. Right. It's not going to be about programming a website. Okay, so let's drill into that even one level deeper, or maybe just articulate that in a different way, which is pretty clearly anybody in that situation is doesn't need to do the uh, the website program themselves. So let's let's say right. that they agree that that would be a complete waste of their time. You know, I can think of a million examples, but you can imagine. You know, most people listening to this are not trying to impress the world with their CSS chops. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, right. it's a, it's really a waste of everyone's time. So when they could be blogging or writing a book chapter or doing the thing that only they can do, the thing that they bring right. their unique perspective to spend as much time as you can doing the thing that only you can do and outsource the things that don't matter. So the, the, the question really becomes, should I, to me, it's not a question of should I or shouldn't I outsource the development of the website. You should definitely outsource it. The real question is, do I need a website yet? Mm-hmm. So, right. right. So, you know, I, I would tend to say most people starting out don't. Well, I, I don't know that I agree. I think it depends. I don't think they need a big website. It might just be one page that has, uh, you know, kind of like essentially a bio, a picture and a, and a line or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it depends. I mean, if you're really starting from nothing, I think you're probably right. But in the case that I mentioned, this is someone who's got a lot of contacts, mm-hmm. knows a lot of people. And, you know, she could put it on her LinkedIn page. She's doing some things in Twitter. But ultimately, you want to send them back to someplace that you own. So I would say buy the real estate, you know, spend the $11 a year to get your URL, <laughs> agreed, right? Agreed, agreed, yeah. And then you could do something really simple, Squarespace, Wix, um, you know, it doesn't have to be, that was my point to her, this mm-hmm. does not have to be fancy. In fact, trying to make it big is going to take her away from things that are going to matter more at this stage of, of her growth. Exactly. And could easily be things that she ends up undoing later. So just a total waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, it's funny that you mentioned that because the other day I came across an iOS app called universe that literally it it couldn't be simpler. Like you, you download this app on your phone. You, it asks you your name or your business name. It asks you, you know, your, your social media URLs, you know, for Instagram Mm -hmm. or Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And then you pick a theme and press OK. I think the the final button is publish and boom, you've got a a landing page like you just described. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, 
Sure, that that will basically be free. I mean, maybe it'll cost you. I don't know how much they charge. I'm sure it's comically low. And you, I, I also agree that grabbing your .com, if you can get one, is a great thing to do. But those these are all very minor things. I mean, it's it's harder yeah. to set up your. It would be harder to set up. I don't know your your LLC or whatever you're going to do than it would be to do any of that stuff. So what are what are some of the other things that really trip your clients up when they're getting started? What kind of investments are they thinking about making that they struggle with? Well, you know, the the big one for a lot of people I know is the, you know, VA or no VA. You know, do I get a virtual assistant? Um, and and if I do, what do I give them to do? Here comes my therapy session. That's me. You just described me. <laughs> Because you and I are different. And I mean, it's like, I feel like you do everything. You are like, you know, all the intricacies of everything that we're doing from a technical perspective. And for me, I'm just not interested in that. It's just, it doesn't float my boat. And I know if I try to do it, I'm going to mess it up. (laughs) I I will, I guarantee you some way, somehow I'm going to mess it up. And then I'm going to pay somebody to unmess it up. (laughs) Right? So I, I'm trying to think how long into my business I was before I got a VA. I was into it a while. I'd, I'd say it was about two years mm-hmm. in, in this business. And then I hired my first VA and, um, and learned a lot in that experience and then hired my second, who is the VA I still have now. Mm-hmm. And she runs, you know, really all of my administration stuff. She runs my billing system, um, you know, when things break. Uh, she will either fix it if she can, mm-hmm. or she'll pull in our developer to fix things um, on, on the website or, or, or my Thinkific site. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know what I would do with without her. I feel like for me, that was a, a, a huge investment mm-hmm. um, in in emotional investment in the beginning, and um, and now I look at it and say I, I look at her bill every month. And I remember last month I wrote her and said, you know what? I was so happy to pay this bill because she had done some client work actually for me that saved me from having to do a lot of detailed stuff that I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I was happy to pay. Happy. Yeah, I've, I've used two in the past and it was immediate failure both times. It's mm. like it's all this. There are a ton of things I'd like to outsource, but they're all physical world stuff. You know, and it's it's all like like a personal assistant type of thing, uh, like all of that garbage. Cleaning. Yes, all of that stuff. <laughs> gotcha. All of gotcha. that stuff. You know, it's it's like the the my I don't know if I'm just telling myself this story, but the things I've got everything. All of my digital stuff is so heavily optimized and frictionless that. And I know this is what everybody says, that it would just be more work to teach someone how to do it. I know everybody says that. And I know I'm in the, <laughs> I know I'm in the income range where it, it's silly to not have a VA. But I, I honestly, this is one of them, one experiment I tried, the person just flaked. They did, they did terrible work and then flaked out. Yeah. And then the other one, I, I was more stressed out trying to find things for them to do than they were doing. So I was like, wow, I'm a lot less busy than I thought I was. And this was, a, and this was an in real life one. This was someone who would come to my house and do things. Uh, and I was like, wow, I feel more busy than I actually am. So, interesting. yeah. So I don't know. I, I know, but I know I'm, I know I'm thinking about it. I have to figure this out somehow. Cause I'm, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll pay more attention to it, I suppose. But is it, I mean, 
it never struck me as that big of an investment. I don't know. To me, the the investment that is scary to make is the time investment in right. getting them trained up. It's not the money. Right. Although, I see, I, I don't think that everybody should have a VA. I'm, I'm not saying that, like that, that you get to a certain point and you should have one. It, I think it depends on on what you're doing mm-hmm. and you know where you need help. I just give a quick example. I had a client who's a well-known author and consultant, and she made all of her own travel arrangements. Mm-hmm. And she was insane. She 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 was like That's me. She'd insane. get them. She'd she'd get them wrong. Yeah. And so, and I just started working with her, and I said, "Listen, I really think you need somebody to help you with this. Whether that's a VA or a travel agent, you need somebody to do this." And this is someone who is making maybe four hundred thousand a year, mm-hmm. and literally said, "No, I can't afford that, <laughs> and I don't I don't want to teach somebody." And in fact, you really don't have to teach somebody to make travel reservations, you know, a a good VA is going to know how to do that. Um, and just, you know, wasn't interested, but if you're, if you've got your networks are running and your billing's automatic. Yeah. Right. All of mine's up Um, front. So I I don't even do billing. I occasionally invoice someone. It's yeah. So it's, so what do you do? And, and I know you love the technology aspect. And my guess is that if you go down a rabbit hole, you're doing it because you want to. See, uh, yeah, I want to, I do want to make that distinction. I never go down a rabbit hole, but I'm so familiar with what's available online, the existing services that do all of this stuff for you, you know, Mm -hmm. things like Skype and Zencaster and Calendly and fresh books, fresh books. Yeah. You know, and I have a bookkeeper and a lawyer and all those financial planner and all those things. But when it comes to, but I, I don't go down rabbit holes. I don't code my own stuff, even though I could. I know that's that's a huge waste of time. It for me, it's a procrastination. It's me hiding. If I did something like that, and I haven't done that for mm-hmm. a long time. But uh, you know, making your own travel arrangements like TripIt, it, it, like I have apps for all these things. So everything you listed, I have basically have an app for. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> it, the the one thing that I can imagine doing, I can't imagine doing, which is letting somebody into my email. And there's no way I would let someone into my email that I didn't trust, like with my life. Because if you let someone into your email, they can take over your life. Mm-hmm. If so, email is a thing that I could actually use somebody's help with, but I wouldn't let anybody in there but my wife. So, you know, other than that, I, it's tough to my calendar is managed. So I don't know. Well, you know, it's interesting you said that because my VA does have access to my email and but I didn't give her that until we'd worked together for quite a while. And, and, and interestingly enough, because she, she does my bookkeeping, I don't have a separate bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, I I gave her the keys to the bookkeeping before I did to my email. <laughs> you know, I would do this. You just said that. And I was like, you know, who I who also I trust is my bookkeeper because she's yeah. already in my banking stuff. Emails way right. more, way more. Banking is like a good, it sounds like it wouldn't be, but like banking is actually less sensitive than your email because with access to somebody's email, you can take over every single service they have, their credit cards, everything. So, mm-hmm. You know, every service, their, their social media, you could destroy someone. So you could. Yeah. But I do trust, but so it's funny because my bookkeeper, who you'd think that would be like the most intimate business relationship out there is uh, a good testing ground for it. I would trust her in a second. Of course, she doesn't do that. But um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it is it is about trust. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think some people have trouble trusting 
um, soon in the process. And maybe it's because, you know, somebody has been burned or we're just being, um, conservative. I mean, you know, it's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I, I totally get that. I totally get that. Um, but I just think you, you have to, I don't mean you in particular, but our, our listeners have to think about this and say, at what point is it getting in my way? Right. And then you can do a staged process to get there. It doesn't have to be, you know, zero to 100% trust on day one. In fact, I would argue against that. That wouldn't feel good to me either. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just, I don't, I'm not particular. well, yeah, I probably am. On the scale of like very quickly trusting and very slowly trusting, I am probably on the slow side. Mm-hmm. Just as a, as a, you know, Gen X, like skeptical. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, you nailed me on that one last time. So I actually looked it up afterward and I was like, wow, yeah, woof, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. You're the poster boy. Totally. So yeah, it probably, it's partially a trust thing, but I mean, that is just like, that's a nuclear weapon. Even if they, even making mistakes in there would be really bad. So, uh, you know, but maybe there's another solution. There's like certain emails I could forward and, you know, to a person or I could have a different business account, which I currently just have one email for my entire life. So that's part of the, part of the uh, thing. It's not segmented. Yeah. 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 I have two actually, so I can keep it separate, somewhat separate. Okay. So we talked about websites, whether or not to invest in a website whether or not to invest in a VA, what are some other things? Is there another, anything else that comes to mind? I'm thinking of one that's just happened in the last month. And, you know, one of my clients is, uh, is a four-time author and Mm -hmm. has uh, this breakthrough idea and has this new book and finally decided to self-publish and, um, was kind of trying to, to do the book cover. And I looked at what he'd come up with and it was really awful. (laughs) And so I said, listen, you know, this is a breakthrough idea. I think you need to spend a little money on the book cover. And he's like, well, what's a little money? And I said, well, you know, it depends, but it's probably, you know, two to three grand, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for this cover and, you know, whether or not he makes it back is, is one question, but it wasn't about the money for him. It was about getting the idea spread. And I said, it's, you got to have the right cover. And so he finally did. He Good. finally spent the money. And we found, you know, someone I've worked with before who's, who's pretty good at this and and did it within that budget but it took some convincing and of course the jury's still out i mean you know the book hasn't been published yet we'll have to wait and see what happens but that's an investment that i just thought made perfect sense for him now if he was an unknown had never written a book had no audience would i suggest he spend three grand on a cover probably not Mm -hmm. agreed it's so funny you said book cover because that was going to be my next example too uh, so my first first self-published book, I dorked around with some cover ideas. It was just, it wasn't, I don't, I felt like they were horrible because I don't consider myself good at it. And of course I'm not good at it. I'm not, I mean, it's not something I do all day long, but I wasn't gonna, I knew I wasn't gonna drop the cash on on somebody who does do book covers exclusively because that mm-hmm. can, that's more than 3000. That's a lot. So it, I probably couldn't even get someone that I wanted. So I was like, all right, I'm not, going to do this myself. I, I would never trust myself. The whole thing would feel phony if I did, if I did that, I would just always look at it and be like, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that book I wrote because of the cover. So I went to 99 designs, which will make any designers in the audience cringe. But, yep. uh, I, you know, and I, I said 500 bucks, here's what I want the cover to, here's the title, here's the subtitle, and here's the vibe that I'm trying to give off. Go mm-hmm. for it. 
And I could not have been happier with how it, the whole process worked, how the result came out. It made the whole project feel real to me. You know, I was able to get one that I was, I liked and I thought was, was succeeded at the goals that I set forth. So, you know, it could be that that doesn't happen, in which case I think you don't pay, but you know, it's amazing how it works where you have this, like a bunch of people sort of do a bunch of spec design work, which I know is a, is ticks a lot of people off. But for someone like me, who's not going to spend more than 500 bucks anyway, it's a great way to work because you know, these people put in some time and then you can, you can compare like, Oh, do I like this one better or that one better? Oh, definitely this one. And uh, you can go through that process, whittle it down to a couple then. So anyway, long story short, for my second book cover, I immediately went back to 99 designs and I was happy to spend 1500. So mm. for my next one, I would easily spend 3000 and I would hire, probably go straight to I would ask around somebody like you or other people who've had their book covers designed and get someone who's like, you know, work directly with a designer and not just sort of right. this auction process. Yeah, the, the designers in our audience are glad to hear that, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, it's for the, I mean, I know designers I hate it. it, but it's for the, it's for the bottom feeders like me. Like I was a bottom feeder at the time for that kind of work. So I'm, you know, right. I'm not your client. Right. If, you, if you don't want to go on 99designs, then don't. People who are there, clients who are on 99designs, I'm speaking to the high-end designers here, those aren't your customers anyway. So don't worry about it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Cool. So those are three big things. What is there anything else that comes to mind or should we think about wrapping her up? Um, well, I, I just mentioned, you know, I, I can never forget this. The biggest investment I ever made um, in my business, uh, not this business, an earlier one was I signed a five year lease um, <laughs> and it was uh, $600,000 <laughs> in round numbers. Wow. And I can still remember, you know, with the pen, and this was in the uh, in the late '90s, so um, that's when you kind of had to have office space when you had you know multiple people in your firm. Mm -hmm. And um, I can remember holding my pen because it was an actual you know paper lease. And I realized as I was signing it, and I had a business partner, so we each signed it. But it, if anything happened, like to him, um, I was liable. If anything happened to me, he was. But I, it was just that big pause and. I signed it, and the moment I signed it, I felt this huge sense of relief because I knew it was the right decision. It was the right thing to do. Mm. So, yeah, it's just you got to find that place where it's you, you, you manage the fear, but you know that it's the right investment for you, for your business at that time. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that was way more than my office cost, but after 10 years of working at home, <laughs> I had a similar situation. They, you know, they're like, da, 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 here's the price. It'd be like that. I looked, oh, I like it. It's good. Uh, I need a place that's near the house, but not in the house. This was perfect. It was the building I wanted. Uh, and then they were like, think, you know, some of the pricing changed to the last second. I was like, oh, you guys, come on. And then it was like, oh, and it'll be an 18 month commitment. I was like, really? And same exact thing, like pen hovering over the paper. I'm like, do I really want to do this? Or am I just like play officing here? You know, like, like playing house. Right. And I was, and I did it and it was like, it was great. I mean, it was, it was a great move, but you know, I don't think we're helping any listeners though, because we just, or, or maybe we are because it's at a certain point, you just have to make the leap, take a leap of faith and, and try it. <clears throat> I guess the, you know, I would, 
advocate for some fiscal responsibility. I mean, like have a plan, have some kind of revenue stream that at least leads you to believe that you can afford the office for 18 months or for five years. But, you know, you're never going to have perfect information about what's going to happen in the future. So at, at a certain point, you do have to, to make a leap of faith. So, you know, I don't know. Start with the small leaps. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Don't start with, with $600,000 worth of office space. <laughs> yeah, probably a good idea. Yeah. All right, great. Well, that's it for this week, folks. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next week for The Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.